Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Merit is Losing Their Mind. Um, I know that we don't post podcasts too regularly anymore, but also I haven't seen Lily in person since, like, school ended before quarantine. So I feel like we should be given a bit of a break here. Recording a podcast all by yourself is really weird. Like, I don't know how long you can sit there and just talk to yourself out loud in your room. Honestly, it's not that hard for me. (laughs) Um, But I think that's just because I'm A, an only child, and B, slowly going insane because of quarantine. But like, also, I do this every summer. And I mean, if you you follow my, um, my spam or if I have you on my private story, then you know that I am no stranger to the, um, constant 12-minute off-the-cuff monologues, but the the key with a podcast is being focused, which is something I can't do, but I will try. So, today's podcast episode, actually, not today's podcast episode, all of the future podcast episodes that I can see in my mind, um, <laughs> all the future podcast episodes I have in my brain are about a topic that I'm very passionate about and have been told that I have abnormally strong feelings over, which is literature. Um, if you don't know me, which would be odd given that I think only people really in band, marching band <laughs> listen to this podcast, but if you don't know me, uh, hi, my name's Merritt. Um, and I have really strong opinions about books and poems and art, really, art in any of its given forms. I have a strong opinion. Um, and I'm going to tell you about it in depth. So, today's episode, I think, is going to be about something that I think most of us have at least a little bit of experience with. And that's going to be, um, imagist poetry. Now, I don't know how well you remember your sophomore year English class, but um, I have an excellent memory. <laughs> and um, specifically, Imagist Poetry, something about it just, just makes my brain short circuit. There's a specific poem by um, William Carlos Williams, and the poem goes like this. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater beside the white chickens. That's the whole poem. It's four little two-line stanzas. Each stanza has four words, and it's set up with three words on top, one word beneath, three words on top, one word beneath. And it basically just repeats on like that for the whole poem. And the reason that this poem makes my brain just completely stop functioning is be- <laughs> is because of the story behind it. Um, I don't know if your English teacher ever told you the story behind this little poem, but I'm certainly going to endeavor to do so. And um, <laughs> this is this is the uh, once an episode reminder that this is just my approximate memory, and I do have a really good memory. But you know who has a better memory? Google. Um, I, I think that everything that I say should never be considered as a fact. It should be considered as a half-truth, meaning that I think I'm being 100% truthful, 
but also there is a, a non-zero chance that I'm completely wrong. Does that make sense? I feel like that makes sense. Anyway, the story behind the poem. The story behind the poem basically is that um, William Carlos Williams, the guy that wrote it, was a doctor in this small town, I don't remember where, and he went out to go, like, be a doctor and check on this little girl that lived on a farm, and when he, like, bent over to, like, put the stethoscope on her chest or whatever, you know, you know what I'm describing, he looked out the window that she could see from across her bed, and there was a, and in the window, there was a red wheelbarrow with some chickens next to it, and I think that the reason that the poem really makes my brain go like, ooh, wow, is because, like, what depends on the red wheelbarrow is, like, that little girl's happiness. Like, she's sick. Maybe she's scared. Like, we've all been, like, you remember being a little kid and being sick. It sucked. But, I don't know, there's something just heartwarming about it. There's something, I don't know, uniquely old world and idyllic about it. Idyllic? How do you pronounce that word? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's just something, there's something there. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Also, keeping with the topic of, um, 10th grade English, transcendentalism? Tell me you don't want to go get fucked up outside in the woods. You're wrong. You're wrong. You want to go outside. We all want to go outside. It's quarantine. If nothing else, Walden Pond makes a million more sense, right? Think about it. Like, that whole that whole book is basically um, Thoreau just hanging out by himself for, I think it, it was either a summer or two years. I don't remember because um, this is the Merit Approximation Show. But it was basically just Walden hanging out at the pond. Not Walden, Walden was the name of the pond. It was basically just Thoreau hanging out at Walden Pond. Vibing. Every once in a while, like, someone would come over and visit him. But, like, it was just him. He was just hanging out. Um, like, there's that one line in, um, something that Emerson wrote. I can't remember. But I guarantee after I quote it, if you if you ever read it to begin with, you'll remember the uh the becoming a transparent eyeball that sees through all like i don't know maybe i'm just a hippie but there's something about being in nature that just like i get it you know what i mean like all, <laughs> all sense all sense of mean egotism vanishes and you're just there vibing you know what i mean this reminds me of those TikToks. I, I've never actually seen the TikToks, but I've seen people on Snapchat laying outside when it rains. And it, it's it's a similar sense. Um, maybe this is why I have such a strong opinion. But, like, poems and literature and stuff like that, they have, I have like, a visceral response. And, I don't know, maybe I'm just being a dork. But there's something so, like, tactile about, <laughs> about that one work that Emerson wrote. 
where he's talking about being a transparent eyeball and um, floating and seeing everything and just, like, vibing and being at peace, you know? Like, there's just, I don't know, there's something that just hits about the line, I am glad to the brink of fear. Like, just think of that. Tell me that doesn't want to make you lose your mind in the woods. You're wrong. Um, like, I, I actually looked up the eyeball quote, so I'm going to read it out to you directly. I become a transparent eyeball. I am nothing. I see all. The currents of the universal being circulate through me. I am part or parcel of God. Like, just there's something so profound about being connected to the earth like that. And it's the same, like, I don't know if you can hear me rubbing my fingers together. But there's something, like, really tactile is the best word for it. It's just so, like, inarticulatable. I don't think that's a word, but I made it a word. It's, it's the same feeling of when you go in the greenhouse at Home Depot or at the Botanical Gardens. Like, maybe it's shitty weather outside, or it's cold, or it's wet, or it's gross, or whatever. And then you go into the greenhouse, and it's warm and nice, and there's all these pretty plants. And maybe there's birds in there. You know how there's sometimes birds in the, in the Botanical Gardens greenhouse? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, sometimes there's birds in there. And I don't know, that's just, that's such a pure moment that I would love to live in. But I think what's so great about moments like that is that they're instantaneous and they're over, you know what I mean? Like, you only walk into the greenhouse once. Like, yeah, you can walk in and out of it a bunch of times, I guess, but I don't, I don't, I think that ruins it. I think the great thing about walking into a warm greenhouse on a shitty day is just that suddenly you're glad to be alive and it's warm. That's, I don't know, it's just, like, I'm glad to the brink of fear. Maybe I'm a nerd, but I don't know. It's just this what it reminds me of. To, to briefly uh, cross departments, I'll, <laughs> I'll bring up the economic law of diminishing returns. Like, um, I remember when I first learned about, the, when I first learned about this idea, uh, someone tried to explain it to me with, like, cupcakes, but I was like, well, my mom has an economics degree, so that's why my memory of this is being, like, six, but I remember she said something like, imagine you go to the cupcake store, and you buy, like, a dozen cupcakes, and the first couple of cupcakes you eat, you're like, Oh hell yeah. These this is the best this is the best decision I've ever had in my life. But then the more cupcakes you eat, the worse you feel. And like that's the law of diminishing returns is like there's an initial high, but then every time after that it's just not as good. And I think that's what's so like special about that greenhouse idea that I just thought of and then talked about too much. Um there's just something about Something about nature, something about being outside. Um, that being said, if you know me, I'm a pale piece of shit. <laughs> so it is rich coming from me, being like, just go outside, man. Just enjoy the sun. Just have fun. Um, 
But honestly, I do mean it. Like, I've been sitting outside a lot more recently. And it's peaceful. It's nice. Um, My neighbors all live way too close to me. So sometimes it's not nice. Because one of my neighbors has a kid that's like eight. And he's so fucking loud. And he has like a Nerf gun or whatever. And like him and his friends play like war games. And it pisses me off. But that's just because I'm 85. And I want to sit outside in the sun with my dogs and vibe. But I can't. Anyway, this is supposed to be a literature podcast. (laughs) See, this is what I mean by, like, I'm totally fine just talking for however long, but I can't stay on a topic. Um, So thanks thanks for hanging out. I took five minutes, I calmed down, I'm back, I'm focused, my brain has never been more ready to stay on topic, let's go. So, uh, just for reference, I don't know if you can hear my pages rustling, but um, I'm, I, you know how you can get the like collected works of different authors and stuff at like Barnes and Noble and whatever? Well, I have one of those, and it's Emerson, because I really like Transcendentalism, and I'm sick of being weirdly ashamed of that. So I'm literally just, I'm flipping through nature and I'm reading stuff that I highlighted. And um, I'm just going to read you some stuff and then tell you my feelings. Because it's one of those days, you know? Um, oh, here's one. I am the lover of uncontained and immortal beauty. I don't know about you, but that reminds me of a sunset. Um, I think that art in all of its various forms, you can get into the philosophy of art and like, what's the real purpose of it, whatever, and I don't want to do that. I'll just, like, personally, what I think the point of art is, is to communicate feelings. Like, sure, you can, you can communicate your feelings by talking about them, or, like, yeah, talking about them, or not talking about them, which is not really communication, but that's not the point. But I think that, like, really good art, no matter what kind, whether it's visual or music or poetry or whatever, it gets across a feeling. That's what's important. That's what gives, that's what gives good art. It's like, you know when you get something that's made of really nice leather and you, like, bend it around? And you feel the fibers of it stretching. And you feel like it's strong and like there. And like real. I feel like the ability of art to communicate a feeling is a lot like that that piece of leather. Do you get what I'm going you you get what I'm going for here? Like really good art that clearly and succinctly communicates a feeling is like it's like really good leather it it can like mold to your skin and make you feel safe and you can you know wrap yourself in it and it'll protect you um (laughs) i realize how i sound and at this point i've just accepted that i care too much about words and also maybe i care too much about textiles and materials by the way, I don't actually own anything that's made of nice leather. My mom does. 
uh, I can't touch anything that's made of real leather or animal products because then I feel like it's on my hands and I have to wash my hands immediately. It's like a, I have a real, yeah. I have like really strong reactions to certain like um, sensory feelings. Oh, sensory feelings. Wow, that's redundant. Um, I'm trying to describe. <laughs> I'm trying to describe it. Like te- textures. There we go. Certain textures really just really just wig me out. But but really the thing with leather is that it was a cow and that cow's dead and I'm holding it and it freaks me out. Like I don't know how people can collect bones or like keep teeth or things. Like what if that thing is dead? I don't know. It freaks me out. Uh, <laughs> wow, Merritt, you literally just said that you were gonna focus and now you're not focusing. Hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, there's there's this other section that it's right under um I'm glad to the brink of fear. It's in the woods too. A man casts off his ears as a snake his sloth. And at what period could soever of a life is always a child? In the woods is perpetual youth. Like I don't know, you just outside of like in the woods you can just be outside of yourself and I feel like the woods also means like the woods but also it just means like anywhere that's outside of society like you can just like outside of society there's no need for boxes or labels or things like that you can just be you know what I mean cause like just think of gender and as a trans person I'm always thinking of gender um like if it's just you alone in a room, it doesn't matter what you look like or what your gender is. It just that doesn't matter. There's <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna cross reference literature. There's this play written by Sartre called No Exit and it that's the play that popularized the line Hell is other people. And in the play it's these three characters, Garcon, Inez, and Estelle. And they're trapped in hell together. But hell doesn't have any mirrors. They can only see each other, like, in, like, reflected in each other's eyes. Which, I mean, also, society. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it reminds me of that because, like, outside of other people, you just get to be. But with other people, you have to explain. And there's that barrier of not being able to really understand what it's like being inside someone else's skin. Which, the way that I phrase that sounds like I'm a serial killer, but I'm not. Um, not. Um, I just, I don't know, I think about this a lot. And, you know, when you're in the woods, as Emerson would put it, or if you're just alone in your room, as I would put it, it's just you. It's just you and, you know, the earth and you know, whatever God you believe in or don't believe in. And I just think there's something so uniquely magical about that that Emerson really managed to sum up really well. And I think that's why I enjoy Transcendentalism so much. Because all of it is just like, sit alone with yourself for a little bit. Maybe, maybe like in nature or whatever, but just sit alone with yourself for a little bit. And just feel it. Like, don't question what you're feeling. Just allow it to be there. 
I don't know. Um, so, yeah. That's my opinion. <laughs> uh, those are my opinions on some of my uh, favorite Emerson quotes. Um, if you've had sophomore year English, then I'm sure this makes a lot more sense to you. Or maybe you didn't cover transcendentalism, but I don't know. I covered transcendentalism. And it has stuck with me. I have one more piece of, like, general transcendentalism literature that I'm going to talk about in the next segment. So stick around for, like, the five seconds that this audio transition is. Okay, the last bit of transcendentalism you're going to get for today, at least. I might bring this back up later. I do happen to have a specific niche passion for it. But the last bit you'll get for today is Thanatopsis, which I was forced to read and has yet to leave my brain. Um, I did pull it up in another tab, but just I'll just... I'll just half remember some some quotes at you, um, and then I'll probably pause and read it again. But like you won't notice me pausing because I'll just start a new audio segment, so it'll sound seamless to you. Um, thus is the trickery of technology, I suppose. Anyway, um, there's this part somewhere in there that's like. It says retire instead of die, but it means die. It's like, you die, like, even though you die alone, you couldn't find, like, couch more magnificent. And that you're going to be in there with the patriarchs of the infant world and everything. And actually, wait, what am I doing? Why am I half remembering? I could literally just find it. Okay, I'll be back in a second. And I'm back. See, I bet that was instant for you, but I actually paused this for eight minutes while I read the poem again. Um, anyway, I found what I was talking about, and it says, uh, Yet not to thine eternal resting place thou shalt retire alone, nor couldst thou wish a couch more magnificent. Thou shalt lie down with patriarchs of the infant world, with kings, the powerful of the earth, the wise, the good, fair forms, and that's a word I can't pronounce. Seers of ancient past, all in one mighty sepulchre. The hills rock ribbed and ancient as the sun, the vales stretching in pensive quietness between the venerable woods, rivers that move in majesty, and the, compa- and the complaining brooks that make the meadows green and poured round all old ocean's gray and melancholy waste. But sullen, but are the solemn decorations of the great tomb of man. Like, tell me that doesn't hit, bro. Tell me you can't, you can't. It hits. It hits every single time. And you know why it hits? You know what makes me go feral? Because the whole point of the poem is like, death is the great equalizer. Everybody dies. Everybody gets buried. Or maybe you get cremated or turned into a tree or whatever. But, like, your body, something happens to it. It doesn't leave the earth. It's here forever. Like, I don't know. It's being, like, everything is, like, everybody's buried in the earth and everything on the earth is decorations on the tomb. But, like, 
I don't know, it kind of makes me lose my mind a little bit. Because, I don't know, it's like everybody's equal. I mean, even if you're not equal, or you're not treated well. Or <laughs> I, was, I was looking at the poem, and it says, the gay will laugh. <laughs> the gay will laugh when thou art gone. The solemn brood of care plot on. Um, anyway... <laughs> Uh, yes, I'm the gay and I laugh. But, Thanatopsis, I don't know, it, it, like, I think what specifically really makes my brain go haywire about this poem is that it's talking about death in ways that most pieces of writing don't. Like, everything that I've ever read that has anything to do with death is, like, either religious and it's talking about how your soul is either going to be reincarnated or you go to heaven. Or you go to the <laughs> the hotel system. Or, uh, you know, maybe you go to the turkey farm as of one of, one of Vonnegut's books. Um, or, you know, maybe maybe there's just nothing. You know, maybe it's the same thing that was there before you were born and there's no way of knowing. But what I like so specifically about this poem is that it's talking about like one day you'll die and that's okay because everybody's died because everybody has died or will die and it's like the one common universal human experience and I think it's the same the same thing that makes me so like frazzled about um a lot of Emerson's work is Emerson is like Emerson and transcendentalism and the all of it talking about like the oversoul and the has the same general vibes as like the force from star wars that's right baby the force is transcendentalism um (laughs) anyway it is and i'm right but like it's just the oversoul surrounds us and connects everybody to everything else and it's you know it's in you it's there even when you're alone and you like you can feel it in the earth and if that doesn't sound like midichlorians to you, then what Star Wars are you watching? But anyway, I that's what a lot of tran- that's what really all of transcendentalism like deals with. And Thanatopsis is like it's that interconnectedness, like the one universal human experience is that we're all gonna die. Like you could argue that, oh, I mean being born, like think of all the different ways that you could be born. Right? Well, there's at least two, right? C-section or the natural way. But, like, everybody everybody dies. Everybody finds out what happens. You know? Um, it's that interconnectedness, and now it's like, well, you're down there with the, <laughs> the patriarchs of the infant world. Um, and I just, like... The globe are but a handful to the tribes that slumber in its bosom. Take the wings of morning, pierce the bark and wilderness, or lose thyself in the continuous woods where rolls the Oregon and hears no sound. Save his own dashings, yet the dead are there. Like, even when you're alone, there's, there's, like, the souls of people that, not really the souls, but, like, there's at least the bodies underground. Like, no matter where you go, there's probably somebody or something buried beneath you. 
and you're never alone. And, I mean, if you want to think about that, and, like, ooh, dead ghost things, like, yeah. But also, it's like, I don't know, everybody's always together, and nature is so interconnected. And I, I like to think about it. I like to think that, you know, even in your, like, worst moment of being so lonely and so, like, <laughs> wrapped up in your own melodrama, as I so often am, is that, you know, even when you think you're alone, there's always nature. It's always right there. I think the, the room that I have, right, doesn't have any windows. I don't... The overwhelming <laughs> likelihood is that you have never been in my room, but I will quickly describe it to you. Um, it's in... My, the basement of my house is furnished, so it's in the basement of my house... And there's no windows, and the ceiling is kind of low. It's not, like, aggressively low, but it's definitely, like, eight, it's definitely, like, eight feet. Um, (laughs) which is eight Subway sandwiches stacked on top of each other, just so you have a mental image. It's around the height where if I stand on, like, an average height chair, I can reach the ceiling. And I feel like you know how tall I am. Like, I can reach the ceiling easily. Not even on my toes or anything. I can reach it. It's not a tall ceiling. Um, it's a small room, but I like it anyway. The point of all this is, is to say that even in this room, which is, for all intents and purposes, kind of a sensory deprivation chamber, even in here, like, nature is just right out there. Like, all that separates me from the world is this, you know couple inches of drywall and there's dirt and worms and life it's right there like I have plants in my room that I take care of but I don't know there's something like you're just you're connected to the planet all the time and I think that's really beautiful I think that um I don't know I think that kind of what a lot of religions are getting at is that you should be nice to people because we're all the same like you can you can take that as like reincarnation or you can take that as like um we're all from Adam's rib bone or something but that interconnectedness is a fundamental part of so many religions and I I get it I understand I'm not I'm not a Christian if you didn't know that um (laughs) And I don't really, really vibe with any major organized religion. But what I do understand is that there's something so overwhelming and calming about just knowing that, like, the earth, well, it hasn't always been there, but it was there before you and it'll be there after you're gone. And it's really the only constant that there is, is that there's always dirt and maybe some bones always under your feet. Like, there's always, there's someone that has been there before. And, you know, we're all connected. And, yeah. This is an easy segue to say that um, the Supreme Court the other day okayed a pipeline that goes through um, sacred Native American lands, which is not new news. 
I just, I think it's sad. Um, I just, I think it's sad. I think that, um, people's opinions on politics aside, you should take care of the environment. Because the environment takes care of us. Think of, if you, um, if you really want to think back that far, it wasn't even that long ago that all of humanity's ancestors was so dependent on nature. And now, like, you know, like I said earlier, my room doesn't have any windows. Humans have really just cut themselves off from nature. And, I don't know, I think to some extent you need it to be happy. (sighs) Wow. (laughs) I really just, for eight minutes, was like... (laughs) Anyway, this is a literature podcast. Um, But, yeah, that's some of my basic opinions on Thanatopsis. And, um, every, and, uh, what else did I read? I read an images poem, and I read, uh, some Emerson stuff, and, I don't know, I'll read the last three lines of Thanatopsis for you, just, just so you can marinate on it, I'll give you a minute to marinate on it. By an unfaltering trust, approach thy grave, like the one who wraps the drapery of his couch about him and lies down to pleasant dreams. That's a sizzler. I think that's all the time that I'm going to devote to this podcast today. Um, I'll probably loop back around to Images Poetry later. I really got, I really got stuck on transcendentalism. Um, I'm probably going to do a lot more of these literature podcasts. Of course I'll say that, and this will be the only one that I ever do. But uh, I've been reading a lot in quarantine. Um, and I mean, like, a hundred pages a day reading a lot. Like, I've really been reading a lot. Um, I might, I might do a book review next time. Ooh, or, (laughs) or I can talk about how I think Puritan literature is funny. Like, something about sophomore year English really stuck with me. Um, I think Puritan literature is funny, but I'll leave that, I'll leave that for a different episode. Um... But yeah, I don't really have any concluding thoughts because unlike some people, I don't listen to me when I talk. So, you know, whatever you manage to get out of this, good for you. Um, Yeah, leave your opinions under the Instagram post. I don't know if you follow us on Instagram, by the way. It's just pretzels and organs. But yeah, you should follow the podcast on Instagram. Um... Leave your opinions in the comments about uh, what book you think I should review or what book you think I should read. Um, yeah. Okay. Bye. Nice to talk to you. See you next time.